On this week's episode of Read, Watch, or DNF, we kick off our Spooky Month episodes by booking a bed and breakfast stay in a classic story with a classic trope in Shirley Jackson's The Haunting of Hill House and the 2018 Netflix adaptation of the same name. And we asked the question, did the decision to adapt the story into a family dynamic drive the success of this series, or do people just love haunted houses? Also, can we take a moment to just respect the savagery of Shirley Jackson to write queer characters into her work in the 1950s? Yeah. Get it, girl. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back, everyone, to all of our returning listeners. We love you so very, very much. If you're listening to us for the first time, this is Read, Watch, or DNF, a bookish podcast where we, your hosts, Mel B and Jackie D. Hello. Drunkenly break down book to screen adaptations. We flip a coin per se to see who will read or watch first. Then we come together and compare notes and discuss if the order in which we read watched affected our final reviews. News! Our publishing company, BDA Publishing, is working on its second novel, set to release probably around Valentine's Day. Also, keep an eye on all the BDA social media pages because we have some fun projects in the works, maybe a YouTube channel for behind the scenes of the company. And there is a Patreon in the works as well. Big thing there, we're going to be able to offer early and exclusive content and access to new projects. So keep an eye on all that new soon. Social media, if you want to see what we're up to or, you know, like chat with us directly here at the podcast, the best way to do that is follow us on Twitter at ReadWatch or DNF. And if you do reach out there, it's, it's usually just me, Mel B. Jackie, I have to um, ping her, tag her directly so she'll open the app. But if you need her, just just tag her. She's Jackie D underscore something, something. Or just tell me, I'll tag her for you. You know what? Ryan let me know that because you are a true Gen Xer. Mm-hmm. Or no, no. You're not. Wait. I think you're elder millennial. So Some scales, I'm elder millennial. Some scales, I am Gen X. So it, really, it's like the cusp. It's like a, like a... A late August Leo. You know, it doesn't really count, but you're still in the month. So he was saying that the elder millennials or the late Gen Xers, they just, the social media is just not, they don't do that. They don't do a lot of the apps. You know, you get the phone, you start the phone, you text message, maybe an email, and that's about it. You know, play a game. You play, you play a game. Yeah. Steven plays a game, but it's usually like the one he has this like, um, I don't even know. I don't even know what it is. He just, he slides his finger around and it shoots stuff and he's been <laughs> playing it for two years now and he's level like a bajillion and Jackie's cleared out Candy Crush. So she has to go on to like the wish versions of Candy Crush now. I actually never played Candy Crush, but I do Bullshit. play something called Toy Blast. No, I've never played Candy Crush. It's the same thing, guys. It's literally the same thing. Yeah, it really is. F-bomb dedications this episode are going out to who, Jackie? Mother horror. Mother, mother fucking horror. 
Okay. That's who it's going to. Sadie Hartman, co-owner of Nightworms. It's like a book subscription, monthly curating. They send, I, I got my first one this month. And now I've learned that I really should pay attention to what she's posting and the Patreon because I literally bought the book that she sent out, but one of the ones she sent out during that, um, the day before, because Barnes <laughs> and Noble was having a sale on hardcovers, on new release hardcovers, and I bought the book, which funny enough is actually, it's not a sequel, but it is in the same house as this story that we're doing tonight. Hmm. So it's a new novel by a new author who got permission from the family and her story. Um, I, oh, what's her name? Something hand. Oh, God. I'll post it. I've already posted it. I just, I don't want to get up and walk over to my bookshelf and get it. But it's uh, The Haunting on the Hill, I, I believe, is the title of it. Um, so similar name because she it is in the Hill House. Just different characters, different storyline, anything. Um, but anyway, that was a tangent. Sadie Hartman, Mother Horror. So uh, A is a huge, huge, huge fan of hers. She has been for a while. It's gotten A back into horror and really the reason why she started writing it. Um, so I would follow along with her. And I think everything that uh, Sadie Hartman posts is just pure magic. Uh, but she had been working on this book and she, she was up for pre-order and she was advertising it. So I went ahead and, and pre-ordered it and I was getting excited that it came and I am obsessed. It is literally my new personality. Everything. <laughs> I've finished all the haunted house wrecks in there. Uh, this is one of them. Not necessarily. It's uh, Shirley Jackson's Hill House is not one of the books that she uh, puts on her 101 horror books to read before you're murdered list because she's doing like new and contemporary the last 20 years per se, not necessarily classics. Um, but she does use it as a sort of a categorizer, a scoring. So she puts it as like, is it a Hill house or is it a Manderley? I believe. Yeah. Manderley. So it's like Hill house or Manderley. Uh, to decide, you know, to describe if it's like the house is actually the entity or are the characters just going crazy. So Hill House means the house is fucked. <laughs> so read all those. Every single one that she had in there is absolutely amazing. I'm trying to get Jackie to read some of them because I do believe they are. You would like them because they are technically horror, but they could be like maybe mystery suspense or something. Um, not necessarily scary, but they're absolute pure perfection uh so yeah f-bomb's going out to her because she is just amazing and everything that she's doing for the horror community i think is um you know she deserves all the greatness she's getting i mean stephen king follows her and stephen king listens to her rex i think that says enough yes yes okay jackie just like is along for the ride when it comes she's like oh that's cool you know me and i are like mother horror she's like i don't want anything to do with that but then somehow it happens. It's just like when we're sitting on the couch reading and I'm just minding my own business, reading yeah. whatever smutty smut I'm reading. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, uh, somebody's getting impaled on the TV. Yeah, I I, um, I just put stuff on. Her husband always texts me. He's like, how do you get Jackie to watch horror movies with you? I'm like, I just force it on her. That's it. 
especially when she broke her, her ankle and couldn't really move that quickly. Mm-hmm. She, you know, basically beat herself on the couch. And I'm like, oh, I guess we're watching Evil Dead then. <laughs> You're not getting up from this. <laughs> or, you know, I threaten her with like, it's spooky month. We have to do horror, Jackie. And I, I really cheat the system because typically in August, that's my birthday month. So I get to choose what we do yeah. like on our birthdays. Then I'm like, but Jackie, going into September is the start, right? Like pumpkin spice lattes are out. And if pumpkin spice is out, that's spooky season. That means horror movies and horror books. So I kind of like force the horror into September. And then when we get to October, there's really no excuse. Like it's all going to be horror. There, you don't do well, anything else. The same could be said for Christmas themed stuff, because if you go into Hobby Lobby or Lowe's or any other store, really, in August, end of August, beginning of September, they already have Christmas stuff out. Yeah, but nobody wants it there. Jackie, you know, you walk into a store in August and see Christmas shit up, you know you're rolling your eyes. Oh, yeah, I'm getting angry. Yeah. Yeah. But if you see, like, spooky stuff up, people get excited. Yeah. And then November comes around and we're like, there's not a lot of Thanksgiving themed books. So we stick to horror until we get to December. Then, you know, I have to like give up the reins and we do that. But I will say that uh, we did the Christmas Carol or a Christmas Carol. I would say this technically it's got ghosts in it and skeletons. And I'm pretty sure there was a zombie. So. Hmm. Maybe we'll just do another version of a Christmas Carol this year. Just keep it going strong. I want to see how long I can keep <laughs> the horror in there. Jackie, what are we drinking? Well, I am drinking Vienna Lager by the lovely people at Devil's Backbone, which I really want to go to one day um, if you want to take a road trip. Oh, that's uh, here, right? In Virginia? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. What are you drinking, Mel? Uh, I'm just, I'm drinking the Rose of Regali because that's just what I do now. Don't try to give me anything else. Except uh, Stephen did go to a winery. No, no, not a winery. He went to an orchard out here um, and they had all these different wines. There's a raspberry wine, which I already finished this week. And there's an apple wine, which I moved up to my new bougie beverage fridge, my wine fridge that's in my office now. So it's in there. But I have Rose of Regali here because... uh, you really can't go wrong with it. It's my jam. And I've been drinking it since like noon. So I saw and a bottle it's... of it at Disney and I thought of you. Hmm. Yeah. Mm. That's nice. Shaggy, do we have any drinking games? Uh, we do. Uh, surprisingly, there weren't that many for Hill House. Mm-hmm. But I think with TV series, it might be a little bit more difficult. Or just excessive. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> it's Netflix, so you can binge especially it. Now, yeah, especially now because they release everything all at once. So it's just mm-hmm. eight, ten episodes of nonstop drinking. You have ten hours uh, of just debauchery. <laughs> this one is from a site called Let's Play a Drinking Game. And they have different categories. Uh, they have drink one sip, they have drink two sips, and then they have a finisher drink. Hmm. Drink one sip is we're introduced to a new ghost. A ghost tricks someone. There's a jump scare. Whoever jumped the most takes an extra sip. Something scary happens while a character sleeps. 
there's a flashback. The siblings argue, which is pretty much nonstop. Yeah. Uh, a character hallucinates. Theo uses her powers and the mom starts to lose her grasp on reality. Mm -hmm. So that's all. Take one sip. Take two sips. Anytime lightning lights up the room, you see a ghost outside of the hill house or you spot a shadow of a ghost lingering in the background, which you really have to look for some of those. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then the final category, finish your drink at any mind-blowing revelation. Episode eight comes to mind. <laughs> that's not we really a revelation, but that's like an epic jump scare. So I would put that in uh, the same category. Yeah. I can just imagine you, when that scene happened, just going, you know what? Fuck this, I'm out. And just getting up and walking away. <laughs> Nick and I were watching it together and he actually paused it. And then I was like, you know what? I think it's time to uh, walk away for a bit. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I walked away for a bit, uh, maybe 10 minutes, and then came back and charged through. Now we're talking about who read first. So I did start watching with you. Uh, we watched... I think we got through like four episodes or something like that. And mm -hmm. then I read the book and then I watched the whole series again. Uh, I think you'd already seen the show. So I think I've watched the show like three separate times yeah. all the way through. So yeah. So then I read, I read the book on my cruise, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's something I went on, va went on vacation. I'm back. Okay. And, uh, I read, I read 13 books when I was on that cruise. Very 13. Good. Yeah, Very I was nice. I was proud of myself. Uh, yep. And it's a, I, it is the first time I've read the book, I believe. Because I, I know I've read The Lottery. Um, I've read some other, especially when I was going to school. Like, I've read some other stuff by her. I don't think I ever read Hill House, though. The only thing I've read by her was the lottery and it was in ninth grade. So that would have been in 1994. Maybe? Damn. Yeah. Damn. Damn. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's, let's, uh, let's talk about what this book and this show is actually about. Are you going to, are you going to do the good reads for us? Yeah, I can. Okay. It is a story of four seekers who arrive at a notoriously unfriendly pile called Hill House. Dr. Montague, an occult scholar looking for solid evidence of a haunting. Theodora, the lighthearted assistant. Eleanor, a friendless, fragile young woman well acquainted with poltergeists. And Luke, the future heir of Hill House. At first their stay seems destined to be merely a spooky encounter with inexplicable phenomena. But Hill House is gathering its powers, and soon it will choose one of them to make its own. Wow. I just kind of think of um, Haunted Mansion at Disney World. Oh, yeah. No. 999, 999 residents. We have room There's for room one more. For one more. <laughs> okay, so IMDb, you know how they do five words or less for any description. <laughs> No. So IMDb says, flashed between past and present, a fractured family confronts haunting memories of their old home and the terrifying events that drove them from it. You know, I think that might be the most succinct and spot on 
description IMDb has ever provided. Yeah. Good for them. I think we should go with the taglines. Oh. For the movies especially, put- because they're always like three words or less, and it just doesn't we make should any just, sense. <laughs> we should just do that. I wonder what this would be. Like, uh, <laughs> dead bodies in the basement. Like, <laughs> Better, you can't always go home. Something always something stupid, stupid like that. that. Reviews, our favorite, favorite part of the show. Honestly, I believe we should just do this. Just do the reviews for everything that we read. This gives me so much life. Jackie, go ahead and give us the Goodreads. Okay, on Goodreads at the time that we compiled this uh, outline, uh, 3.82 out of 5 total. Uh, 200 and just over 270,000 ratings. And of that, uh, just over 25,000 reviews. First is a five-star review, the Sergeant Pepper and the Citizen Kane of ghost stories. So what they're saying is this is a masterpiece. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. I mean, they're not far off. No, no. (laughs) A second review is also a five out of five. Sometimes this is my favorite Shirley Jackson book, and sometimes I just want to smack Eleanor. That really resonated with me because Eleanor I love how it's is... it's still five stars. Yeah, silly Eleanor. Yeah, AKA no. <laughs> uh, next review is a three out of five. Completely honest now. This wasn't a terrible read, but it did not blow my mind, blow me away either. I felt nothing really happened and not even a tiny psychological scare jump. It was more like a hide and seek game where the characters were after something, but they couldn't exactly find out what. Like no one could put a finger on what was going on. I'll have to say the whole atmosphere was authentic. I liked it. And the characters were well individualized, but they were very odd in the sense that they seemed to have extreme mood swings. I'm sorry. In three seconds time, laced with some sort of ADHD. Yes, there were some creepy psychological thrillings happening in there, but it did not live to my kind of hype. It was a decent read. I appreciate the whole atmosphere and somehow the oddity of the characters, but it's not really a book that impressed me to tears. All that for three stars. Why would you cry if you're impressed? People. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Next review like is one for three stars. <laughs> Next review is a one out of five. This was my buddy read for October with a <laughs> pants. Pantsless bunch. What? (laughs) I gotta say, I gave it another 30 pages or so before finally saying forget it. It took me forever to even get halfway through the book, and it was so boring. Nothing ever really happened. The house wasn't creepy, and the characters were not believable as a cohesive bunch. Some of the dialogue was so silly. Quote, Now I know why people scream, because I think I'm going to. End quote. (laughs) no suspense no terror no good dnf it says chapter 5.3 because they break it up into chunks uh page 116 thank you thank you for that yeah wait one fifth how this book is not that long no they were they were 
almost there. Yep. Anyway, you're yeah. not a very good buddy reader. No. Final review, one out of five. Didn't like this at all. The characters are childish. There's nothing scary about this book, and it's just rubbish. They talk rubbish the whole way through. We get it. Mrs. Dudley clears the plates away at 10 a.m. Yeah. (laughs) You know what? I think because I've read a lot of Shirley Jackson stuff in school, like in in, higher degrees, um... So you talk about it a lot, right? You break, you do critical reads and you break it down every portion. Not, I haven't done this one, but we've done the other ones. And I think about it and I go, you know what? If I were just to read this book with no goal in mind, I don't think I'd finish it right away. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like it's just one of those where I would just like put it on the nightstand and go, I'll give it another couple pages. But it is a quick read, though. It doesn't take that long. It's one star's kind of hard. I mean, okay, you know what? No judgment. You rate it however you want to rate it. <laughs> Mrs. Dudley clears the place. I'm just saying, because I, I remember breaking down these types of stories and like the whole Mrs. Dudley clears the plates away at 10 is it. It's obviously means something. It's got a deeper meaning somewhere. I'm too drunk to figure it out right now. <laughs> IMDB. All right. So, huh, of 267,000 ratings, it is an 8.6 out of 10. This is up there with the adaptations that we've done in this show. The highest, and the highest on IMDB period is Shawshank Redemption at like nine something. But 8.6, this is high. Mm-hmm. 93% of those were 7 out of 10 stars. But I still think 7 out of 10 is like a Goodreads 3. Well, this this was 7 through 10 out of 10. The 93%? Yeah, seven, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 7 through 10. So like the, the, the three upper echelons, but 7 had the most. Because I remember us looking mm-hmm. at the middle finger. Um Seven's like, it's really good, but I don't think I can go much higher than it because, like, where am I going to put Sharknado then, right? Those are the people that are doing reviews on IMDb. (laughs) Yeah. So the highest rated episode is episode five, and that's at 9.5 with 2,500 reviews. What happened in episode five? Was that Nell's episode? Oh, was it? Is that the one where she's there dancing? I'll look. Because if so, yes. I agree. I agree. Well, Jackie's looking it up. I'm going to read the first review. Ten stars. Damn good horror show. Really well written and acted with a good story and characters. Those, I think it's supposed to be this, is everything (laughs) AHS should have been. So American Horror Story. Why are they dragging another show through? I mean, I respect it. It's, but the intent behind the two shows is different. Yeah, I, I don't know. Okay, well, if we are going to do apples to apples here, right? If we do American Horror Story season one, and then the Haunting in Hell House, which would technically out of the anthology that they were sort of putting together, um, both of them would would rank as the best out of the whole 
collection. Because the first season of American Horror Story was probably the only salvageable one. Everything else was pure garbage. And now we're talking about American Horror Story, which is an anthology. Mm-hmm. These Hill, um, Haunting Hill House and uh, Bly Manor, they're written by two different authors. So they're adaptations of two different books. And I don't, it's the same character, like the actors, but it, I don't think this was an anthology. And I might no. be too drunk to even remember right now. There's another 10 out of 10. They say a perfect show doesn't exist. Who's they? That's really, what I want to know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then there's Hill House. If you start watching it for horror, you may be disappointed because while it is creepy and atmospheric and there are scary moments, horror is a bit of a misnomer. No, that is exactly what horror is. Mm-hmm. Everything that you just said. So misnomer i hate this person sorry nope okay nope not gonna judge but if you like stories that are scary (laughs) scary but not horror jackie scary Mm -hmm. not horror though not even a little bit don't you dare call it horror and have emotional depth and complexity you can't do better than this show you watch as literal and figurative demons within this family torment them throughout the years, pulling them apart and bringing them together in a way that feels very authentic to how many families function. I don't think many families have um, flipped haunted houses. Mine together. hasn't. I mean, mine hasn't. I'm kind of bitter about that, though. <laughs> I feel like I've missed out on life. Okay. Anyway, I have some very minor beefs with how a couple of the storylines resolve, but it's truly nitpicky stuff. This show is beautiful. Hmm. Nitpicky. But not horror. Eight out of ten. We need more horror like this. It's not horror! Remember that. It's a misnomer. (laughs) The Haunting of Hill House is hands down, all caps. Hands down, all caps. The best horror series. It's not horror. Remember. I've ever seen. It's a meditation on death, grief, and trauma. It is equal parts scary and engaging. Um, I feel like those two could be the same. Like it can Mm -hmm. be scary and engaging. You're not dividing the parts. Anyway, sorry. (laughs) The best character development I've seen in a long time and a huge leap forward for horror. That is a great sentence. You're absolutely right. Sir or ma'am and or day. We need more horror like this. It has disturbed me and moved me. Its portrayal of the supernatural as more of a human experience and less of a poltergeist type is revolutionary. I don't know about that. Because remember the kid? He's like, I see dead people. Because they said Mm -hmm. the same thing about that movie. Anyway, it, to me, makes more sense to believe in ghosts than I've ever thought was possible. Okay. He's a believer. Five out of ten. Don't understand the hype. Writing this after six episodes and entertaining the idea of quitting, right? But you're still giving it a five. Yeah, I know. It's like, I'm DNFing this shit, but five. You know what? To be fair, I have DNF stuff and given it a three. So fair. I find myself utterly distracted. This is like a gothic version of This Is Us. Oh, I mean, I I like that. (laughs) Overly dramatic drawn out storylines and conversations jump scare tactics were there jump scares in this is us i didn't really watch it i know that though i've never seen it i know there was a fire maybe that was jump scary maybe i really wanted to like it but it just couldn't hold my interest i found a lot of the characters insufferable 
if you don't care about the family dynamics, there really is not much left. Fair. First one star, yawn. The best part about this series is in episode seven, when they are talking about what paint to use on the walls. (laughs) Next one star, horrible. It's garbage. Nothing happens. Literally, you just spend an hour watching some pointless stuff that is pointless. (laughs) Thank you for that. Very astute. (laughs) I found it. Episode five is Nell's. It is Nell, right? She's like dancing around with her husband. Oh, my God. That episode. Yeah. It is so sad. Did you ugly face cry? Yes. Good. Yeah. That's the only acceptable answer. Casting. We just limited the characters that we're talking about to the the nuclear family. So the kids and the parents, some of them, you know, they have like double because it's like young and then old. Anyway, Stephen Crane, who is the main character. And I was thinking about this. Okay. I can't, you can't really say there's a main character because like each episode sort of focuses on a different member and a different part of their story. So, but we start with Steven and he's the oldest brother and there's five kids with the two parents in the house. He is played. I don't even know how to say his name, but he's from game of Thrones. I want to say it's Michelle. Huseman? 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 He's from the Netherlands. So we're probably just fucking this up entirely. He's Dutch. But he is from Game of Thrones and he is from Orphan Black. He is the grown-up version of the eldest brother. Okay. So this is what I was thinking about. I was like, why are we focusing on him? Because when you do a one-to-one from the book to the show, oh, there's certain characters that are kind of, you know, they have the same name. They kind of have the same characteristics. But then there's like just other characters thrown in. I think Steven is supposed to be the doctor. Yeah. Yeah, I would, I, yeah, I would definitely agree with that. He feels like that non-believer that wants to be a believer. That's what mm-hmm. Dr. Montague is in the book. Yeah, so mm-hmm. I just, I don't know why it took me that long to think of that, but it, it just came to me. Olivia Crane is played by Carla Gugino. Gugino? Yeah, sure. So she's um, in Californication. Have you ever watched that show? Yeah. Yeah, it, yeah. <laughs> it's a good show. <laughs> She's in the next series of this, whatever they're, this universe in Bly Manor. And then she's in Manhunt. Um, she is one of those actresses where when you see her face, you know, I've seen her in other things, but you will never, never remember her name. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, young Hugh Crane is Henry Thomas. So the dad, when they're, with the kids and not the dad when they're adults. Henry Thomas, who is none other Elliot from E.T. Elliot. (laughs) It's also in Legends of the Fall, Suicide Kings, Gangs. I did not know he was in Gangs of New York. Mm -hmm. And then he's also in Bly Manor. Shirley Crane is a place, uh, is played by Elizabeth Reeser. Uh, Handmaid's, Handmaid's Tale, uh, three episodes in season three. So I don't, I've never seen her in that because I've only watched the first season and I refuse I, to go on. 
I stopped watching after season two. I was like, this, this is just insufferable. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Also in Manhunt with Carla Gugino. And then she was in the Twilight movies. She's also another actress where you see her face and go, I've seen her in so much stuff, um, but I have no idea who she is. Yeah. But she was great. <laughs> Luke Crane, who in the movie is one of the twins. He's the brother. He is my favorite. I think I've actually casted him too in um, some of our happy hour episodes so. that we've done. Yeah. yeah. He is played by Oliver Jackson Cohen. Hmm. Mm-mm-mm. He was in, uh, also he's in Blind Manor. I like his character in Blind Manor because he's, he's kind of a badass. Uh, Emerald City, only half. Um, and I don't, I've never watched that. It's on NBC. It it was only a half a season and then they canceled it, but it was a reimagining of The Wizard of Oz. I think Steven made me watch that. Yeah. It sounds really familiar now. It had potential. It really did. Uh, but I think they kind of killed the story in those 10 episodes mm. and yeah. nobody was really watching it. So obviously they I'm canceled just a big fan of, I've never been a big fan of network shows either. So I'm just like, mm. yeah. Theodora Crane. So Theodora, the- Theodora or Theo is an actual character in the book uh, is played by Kat- Kate Siegel. She's also in Bly Manor and um, <laughs> Jackie was writing some notes in here. She's like other stuff I didn't really recognize because she does all of like the Netflix stuff. She was at Midnight Mass. There's another movie that she did. I, I th- you know what? I think I looked this up and then totally forgot about it. I believe the producer and or the director, or maybe he's both of like all of these shows with Netflix, I believe is her husband. Because she's in every single one of them. The level of nepotism is just chef's kiss, really. Nell Crane. So uh, Eleanor from the book, but they also called her Nell or Nellie, uh, is played by Victoria Pedretti. She's also in Bly Manor, the one after this. But my favorite is when she's in, I think it's season two of You. Perfect. Season two and three, I believe. There are two seasons together. Have You You haven't watched You? No. <clears throat> oh, Jackie. Jackie. Yeah, but the the, the uh, main actor in that show, I just yeah. I look at his face and I can't. He's, he kind of has, has the same effect on me as Tobey Maguire. Yeah, but Tobey Maguire, like, offended you on a different level. <laughs> the guy from You hasn't done that. He just is, like... He looks like a hipster. I will say that I did like Easy A. Okay. 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 I would say watch you. (laughs) Those are also based on books. I see that in our future then. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I love her character in there because uh, I'm not going to give it away because we are, I'm going to make you watch it. But there's all these memes out there that says, like, when I say I want you to match my energy, this is what I mean. And it puts, like, her and him next to each other because they are – okay, so rem- – oh, no, because you haven't watched Dexter either. God damn it, Jackie. We're going to fix this, okay? Okay. Anyway. Last but not least, Timothy Hutton, who is old Hugh Crane. He comes in and plays 
the dad. We don't have an old mom because mom dies. Mm-hmm. We only get young mom. Shall we talk about this adaptation and yes. what let's and what went awry, what they did right? I will say this though: to call this a true adaptation is maybe a misnomer. No, no, nothing. Okay, That's um, the word for today. <laughs> yeah, misnomer. Uh, no, not even that. I would say it's more like a reimagining um, or a retelling of it, not necessarily an adaptation because it really does like get off track from the book. Very we don't even so. have this. Yeah. Like we don't even have the same dynamic that's happening because in the book, it's just strangers. There's four strangers. The house is empty. Nobody lives in it. Nobody's trying to renovate it either. Um, but it's the doctor who's, I forget the name, the, the word for it, but he's like, He's trying to study ghosts. He wants to go and get ectoplasm or whatever. Um, not really, but he's he's going there to observe. So he's like the 19... What year was this? 50? 1950 version of Ghost Hunters? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Luke is there because he is the heir. And the family that owns the property wants somebody there while these strangers essentially like vacation there. Treat it like a bed and breakfast or like a, what do you call it? Airbnb? Is that what that is? Yeah. Yeah. Or VRBO. VRBO. Yeah. (laughs) Essentially, it's a share time now. No, timeshare now. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so Luke is there as that. I would say his character is actually kind of funny because his character reminds me of the actors that plays Luke in the show of the character he plays in Bly Manor. Like those okay. are the same. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's strange anyway. And then we have Theo who's coming, who says it says that she's his assistant, but didn't she like answer a call too? Like it was the same. I, I don't think she had any connection to the doctor. Her and Eleanor were both there. Like, I don't think they'd ever met the doctor before. They just showed up because they'd received the letters and they accepted the invitation. Yeah. So Theo comes um, and I, the doctor sort of talks about in the beginning and says, like, I, I reached out to all these people. I think he literally just sent out mail to like a dozen people and said, well, somebody's mm-hmm. going to show up. No, there was no like RSVP. You know, there's no call me at this number. It was just show up. That's how people used to live, Jackie. Could you imagine if you had the level of social anxiety that happens? It's rampant today. <laughs> I mean, seriously, you, like, you get a letter in the mail that says, I need you to drive three hours across the state. I'm going to write out the directions like it's MapQuest, right? And... You're just going to show up around this time. Not even like a specific time. It's like just this day, right? I would be freaking out. Because the part of me, like the ADHD part would be like, oh my God, we have to go. Like definitely got to do this. I don't know who this person is, but fuck it. Let's get in the car and go. There's a charging port on the way. I just got a new electric vehicle. So 
no more gas. Uh, but I would be freaking out the way, being like, oh my God, where do I park? What time should I be there? I don't want to be the first person there. You know, did I pack enough? Did I pack the right stuff? Do I need like cocktail attire? That kind of stuff. None of that was in the letters that he sent out. But apparently each one that got a letter, got it, or an invite, I should say, got it because there's something in their past that sticks out as being sort of paranormal-ish or supernatural or or strange. I will say, though, that Theo's thing, it, it makes more sense when he's explaining it. Like her, like she touched, she has, she can like feel, she's like an empath to the nth degree. Mm -hmm. uh, but Eleanor, it was some story about there's like rocks falling on the house, mm -hmm. but she denies it. I don't understand. But anyway, I don't think it matters. Very strange. Well, I mean, the, the modern equivalent to this would be getting phone calls. Oh, I don't recognize the caller ID, so I'm just going to hang up. Oh, yeah. You know, if it came in the mail as a letter invite, that shit's going to rot on the counter. Mm -hmm. like, I don't think anyone's going to look at it. We're going to think it's junk. Like, to, we forget about it so hard, like, it doesn't even make it into the garbage for a minute. <laughs> it's literally just rotting there on the counter. Um, so those are the four people we have. And then in the book, we have some characters that show up later for like a night. Um, whatever. whatever. So Theo, her characterization in the book, I is almost like a one for one for the show. Cause the Theo that's in the show also has this sort of like empath, but she can touch and feel things. Um, what do you call that? Like she doesn't see the future, but she can like touch things and see or feel what had happened with it a while ago. I don't know if it was really clear in the show if she actually sees visions of what's going on or if she just gets the idea of the feeling that the character had. Yeah, I think it's an emotional type thing. It's an, an empath. Mm -hmm. Because in the show, the little girl, Theo, like when Mrs. Dudley was like, no, she's not. She's scared. Mm -hmm. mm, creepy kids. Fucking kids are so creepy. Uh, then Nell, I believe, is a one for one as well because they're both these sort of like really innocent, mousy, um, flighty, I want to say, in terms of character. Because in the book, Nell is just like... Uh, abused by her older sister she took care of her mother on her deathbed until she died and i think she's like maybe in her late 20s and in the 50s you know she, she's probably still a virgin too like who knows uh mm -hmm. she was destined to die alone type where she's just sad just really sad and that's where you get nell in the show she's also just really sad but then Luke is, um, I don't know. I don't know what they were doing with Luke. That was weird. He was like a drug addict, which I guess is okay. I, I don't know. I think it's an understandable path to take because of everything that happened to him when they were kids. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. The way the show did it is, is brilliant. But because the character has the same name, that's what I'm going off. Where yeah. Steven, I believe, is the doctor, like, characterization wise he's manifesting that in the show um theo is theo same attitude this sort of like um what do you call that 
she's an alpha female for sure. Like she don't give a fuck. Definitely. In the fifties, those females were sort of rare. Uh, She's also just a lesbian too, which is kind of cool. I think Mm -hmm. in the book, she's more of a bisexual because there's some flirting happening with Luke, but there's also her, um, (laughs) I love this because you know that this didn't exist in the fifties, but it is, it's the meme of when archaeologists and historians talk about like people who are most likely homosexuals and they're like, Oh, well this was their roommate or this was their very good friend. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. This was their, their study partner. This was their muse. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, why are they in the same bed naked? This, you know, because studio apartments were really expensive back then. And save on power. <laughs> yeah. So in the book, Shirley Jackson's talking about Theo and she's coming and she goes, well, I live with my friend in the way that it's, it, I, I thought it was absolutely genius. And I just think it has Shirley Jackson has really big balls to write that because she's essentially just screaming it out in the book. Like this character's a lesbian. She lives and is in love with a woman, another woman. So it is what it is. I don't, I want to know if she just wrote that plainly and the editors were like, Whoa, you can't write that. And she's like, bet and then said friend she took the girl off and just put friend yeah this is my friend more than likely yeah so that's what we get we had the family versus the four just strangers now weird thing that I, i have a question about is luke and nell they make twins make them very close this was weird for me when i started reading the book because Nell is like infatuated with Luke in the book, mm-hmm. like sexually, right? Um, and now they took the two characters and they're like, they are one, they are twins. Listen, maybe I'm thinking too deep into it, but it was just a weird choice to make. You're like, I don't care. No, I just, it's not that I don't care. It's just, I think that it's one of those things that made a lot more sense for the show, obviously, because they were going with a family dynamic and how are you going to introduce that type of character? And with Luke in the book, he is written like some kind of ne'er-do-well, you know, the the ants that own the house are always afraid that he's going to steal everything and they're like, watch the silver. Um, Yeah. They're probably not going to write stuff like extreme drug addiction to the point where you have to try rehab multiple times before you can finally get clean. Oh yeah, no, I don't. The, that time, yeah, I'm just talking about the fact they made these two characters twins. Yeah, I know twins. they shared but, a womb. Yeah, yeah, I think they wanted to have that that element of the the bad boy in the show, but wanted to make him part of the family. I don't know. You know who doesn't doesn't match up? The parents make sense because the kids have to have parents, but the oldest sister, where the fuck she come from? What's she supposed to do? I don't know. She's there to fight with people because that's what she does. That is fair. Yeah, she's very confrontational and passive aggressive. A lot of the fights that happen in the show are because of her. True. Fact. Fact. I I will say that the, um, remember, it's not a horror, but the horror level of the show is more intense than it is Mm -hmm. in the book because I all right 
this is where it comes down to there's people that read horror fiction and there's people that like scary movies and there's very few that enjoy both. Not saying that there's like three. I'm talking about like relatively speaking. And I believe the ones that enjoy the story is because you can put sort of blinders or limiters on your, on your brain, right. And your imagination. And while you're reading it, you're thinking, okay, all right, it's not that bad. But if somebody's putting their interpretation right in front of you and you have to see it and take it in with your eyes, that's a bit more extreme. So I believe the number of instances that happened in the book are actually more than what happened in the show. Because like the banging on the walls, the beating on the mm-hmm. door, the stuff that's happening, the doors closing, it's it's more consistent in the book. But in the show, when something does happen, because you can go the whole episode, like an hour into the episode, and it's just them and their family stuff and flashbacks. But you'll have like one scene of a, of a ghost or something. But it's just more extreme because you're seeing it and they've now put a face and a body and an aura to these events. Well, plus in the book, you only get it from the perspective of Eleanor. Like other people are talking about it, but my personal view, when other people were talking about things that they saw or heard or experienced, I had a tough time believing it. Whereas in the Mm -hmm. show, it's right there. You can see Luke going through this stuff as a kid. You can see Theo going through this stuff as a kid. You can see Nell going through this stuff as a kid. Um, and stuff that's happening to the whole family. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I agree. Because in the book, Eleanor is like... She's already a flighty character to begin with. Mm-hmm. You know? And then I think she's just under a lot of stress in this house. So some of the stuff that she's talking about, you're like... What is wrong with you? There's no <laughs> way this is happening. Um, like that exchange where they're, uh, she thinks that Luke and Theo are making fun of her or something. Like just yeah. really paranoid. Yeah. Also, in the show, they had the infamous episode eight where <laughs> I mm. screamed out loud. Yeah. Violently. And if you have not seen it, I'm not going to spoil it for you. But it's, you don't expect it. And I was reading, I think I told you this, I, I read an article um, or an interview with the characters from that scene. And they said they were not warned about it. They had no idea it was going to happen like that. <laughs> and they just had the direction of, you know, they're talking, they're arguing, they're whatever. Um, and then that thing happens. And their reactions are purely genuine. Oh, jeez. This is some Hitchcock shit that they're yeah. doing to them. Yeah. <laughs> and he was abusive. <laughs> yeah. he, he uh, Alfred Hitchcock, if you don't know, he referred to actors as cattle. Yeah. That's <laughs> oh, so messed up. The ending in the book is just... I. <sighs> I don't even know what to say about it. It's kind of, um, what's the, what's the right word? Um, I would say anticlimactic. Yeah. I was going to say messy, but I'm with you. It, 
her just like, oh, I don't want to leave. Well, I guess I have to leave. Ah, treat. <laughs> you know, like that and tidy wrap up of what everybody else did in two pages. Yeah. Shirley Jackson's like, I'm done with this story. I think she just had really bad ADHD. Yeah. And they're like, well, you have to have <laughs> an ending for the story. And she's like, fine. Fucking throw her into a tree. I don't care. <laughs> but the way that the show wraps it up is way more complex. They had the room that was up in that tower. They had like the the Dudley's kid. Um, they had the sort of lore of the house as well. Um, and then all of them having this epiphany and remembering, and then they have to go back. Uh, that I like stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That ending was more Agatha Christie than Shirley Jackson. I would agree. It's like all of these moving parts, you're thinking, oh, it's going to be this, or it's going to be that. And then they're like, nah, bitch, you don't even know. That room doesn't even exist. <laughs> you're like, what? How? And then you're thinking about watching it. You go, how did I miss that? My favorite, though, is... Um, I think, what is it? The older brother, whoever is explaining it at the end when they're like, talking it through and they go, what dad, like, why would he build you a full tree house for a house that we were like barely going to be living there three months. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden I'm like, Oh my God. Yes. And then you feel stupid. I do enjoy <laughs> that though. When a, when an author or a director or someone make you feel like an absolute idiot at the end, but you're just so shunned. Like not shunned. You're just so stunned and excited and in awe of it that you're like, I am, I am so feeble. I am such an idiot. You are so Please smart. teach me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the one thing though, um, this is a spoiler. The end, how it ends is the same is because both Nell and Eleanor, AKA Nellie, they do die. You ready to wrap this up? Give our reviews? Yeah. All right. So I guess technically you read first. Ish. Yes. Okay, fine. You go first. (laughs) Okay. Uh, The book, I'm going to say, originally I wrote a three to four out of five, but I'm just going to go with a solid four out of five. Uh, Just seems fair, I think. Um, which I know, Mel, you have your own opinions, but stuff like this isn't generally my area, my genre. Yeah. Um, but it was it was enjoyable. Um, the show is a solid eight as a whole, nine for some of those, especially that episode five. And then even though eight scared the shit out of me... Um, Now, one part, I would even say that is a nine. Um, Like I said, the genre really isn't my thing, but the family dynamic really, really made the story what it was. And it really really made me care about the characters, which I think was a little bit lacking in the book. But it's just the way that that Shirley Jackson writes. So, Yeah. No, I agree. I I think the family dynamic in the show, it it really pulls you in. 
because you're, you care about each character as the individual, but then them as siblings, especially, right? Their connection. Mm-hmm. The mom and the dad, it was kind of like, yeah, yeah, whatever, whatever. But the sibling. And then this, I think the twin part, not the fact that it was Luke and Nell that were twins, but just that they had twins um, in it and really played off that because everyone says that twins have the this really, really deep, indescribable connection, right? When he shows up at the funeral home, I it was heartbreaking. Yeah. Oh like, yeah. That whole time. That whole time I was I was in tears. That was that was really really hard to watch. And I I didn't think I I didn't expect my reaction to be like that. I liked all the characters. I was feeling for them, but the whole twin thing and then also they played off the fact that like he could feel it mm-hmm. when she died. And I've I've heard that, uh, you know, other twins that have talked about, like they, they knew when the other one had had passed, Mm -hmm. which is just fucking unreal, but you know, cool. Mm -hmm. I am, uh, I've, I've turned over a new leaf for when it comes to reviews because, you know, I do review a lot of stuff and, um, if it's not five stars, I'm not giving it. I'm not giving it stars. I'm just leaving it. Doesn't mean it was bad. Really? Doesn't mean it was whatever. I just say five stars. I'll give the stars. I'll still review it if it's not. So this, I'm not giving it five stars for the book, but it is a contemporary classic. It does what it's supposed to do, and Shirley Jackson is a master of her craft, or you know, it was. Uh, so. You got it. I respect it. I'm not giving it five stars for that, though. I respect Shirley Jackson, what she's done, what her writing style is, what she's done for the genre of horror and mystery. Um, and the fact that she wrote a lesbian into her book in the 1950s. Mm-hmm. Shirley Jackson gets five stars. This book does not. Okay. Show 10 out of 10. Fight me. It's it literally reset my standards for what Netflix shows should be. Right. And um, now all Netflix does is let me down. So they shouldn't have put out a show like that if they couldn't keep it up. (laughs) All right. So just disappoint me. (laughs) Now, (laughs) I think everyone knows what our answer is going to be. Yeah. Uh, But if somebody is here with a gun to your head and they're like, you either got to watch this show all over again. Or you got to read this book out loud to me. What are you doing? I'm definitely watching. Yeah. I will even keep my eyes open the entire time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's another thing. It's like, you can't squint. You can't look away. You can't close your eyes. You got to watch yeah. it. No bathroom breaks. It's a lot of commitment because it's 10 hours. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of commitment. <laughs> I'm going to agree. Watch. Uh, it, it's just a really good show. It's a lot of emotion, a lot of stuff going on. Uh, I will say, because I say this for all the classics, if you're just feeling froggy and you don't have some like orc smut or, you know, dark fantasy motorcycle club smut that you're reading, like maybe pick it up, give it a go. Maybe use it as a palate cleanser mm-hmm. from all the smut that I know you're reading. <laughs> Jackie's on the rugby now. Yeah, it's good. It's really good. (laughs) 
All right. Thank you everyone for listening and, you know, and don't forget to rate and review. You don't have to, but it, it helps us. You know, if you give us the stars, if you write something and say, Hey bitch, then all of a sudden these algorithms are like, Oh my God, this show is pretty decent. Even though it's not, even though it's not, you just got to trick them now. But again, <laughs> our links, our links are in the uh, channel description and really it's for us. It's just read, watch DNF at Twitter uh, at read, watch DNF on Twitter. And then also for our publishing stuff and what we have coming out, it, basically BDA publishing on every single platform out there, um, which we don't, we don't manage any of those. So that's our, that's our team. Cause that sounds like absolute, just awful. There's so many. <laughs> Jackie, what do we have next week? We have, uh, Annihilation. So Annihilation actually is a book in the 101 horror books to read before you're murdered. It's under there. I believe it's under like eco horror that Sadie Hartman, AKA mother horror uh, recommends. And I brought this book cause I, I, I ordered it and I brought it with me on my cruise. And then I was texting Jackie and I remember I was like, you know what? We should do this for an episode. So I gave a, uh, because I've already seen the movie, so we're not flipping a coin. We already know who's doing what, because I had already seen the movie. I was like, Jackie, I'm about to read this book. It's a short book. Go read it, and then we'll watch the movie together when I get back. So that's our next episode. <laughs> it's going to be a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it. You know, It's been a minute since we recorded one. Because there's just so much shit going on. We're going to try and be a bit more consistent. But, you know, please don't expect too much from us. Because <laughs> we will let you down. Yeah. So until then, bye. Bye.